know what you're listening to. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Snowman in the Morning podcast. Did you not get the memo? Insanity ensues. Can't wait. This is your boy, W-I-Z-E Wise, and you're listening to the dopest sports talk morning show. Of course, I'm talking about Snowman in the Morning. Well, this is the week that high school football returns to North Carolina in full. So we're going to have some profiles for you, and we're going to have some team profiles, some coaches profiles. And speaking of coaches, the first one I'd like to welcome is a fellow named Wayne Griffin. He's the head coach of the Carver Yellow Jackets. He joins me right now via the Beamer Tire and Auto Hotline. Coach, how are you? Great to talk to you. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm well. Um, thanks for having me on. Thanks for Thanks for coming on. You're the head coach of the uh, Carver Yellow Jackets. They were a powerhouse back in the 2000s. Now you have been given the keys to right the ship. What's one of the first things that you want to establish with this team coming into this season? Just one of the things that we're just changing the culture, um, getting kids to start to winning in every single day and everything that we do. Whether we are stretching, practicing, whatever we do, just teaching them uh, how to win, how to practice, and uh, just doing the little things. Was it when you were um, when you took over? Was it tough to start to establish that culture because of what happened in years past? Uh, when I took over February twenty sixth of last year. Uh, it was two weeks right before the pandemic hit. So uh, it was definitely a, a, a challenge um, in, to, in trying to uh, get the culture and get my blueprint and my put my footprint onto this program. Yeah. Um, I know it's been traditionally a, a, a pretty strong uh, football program with rich tradition that I took over last couple of years. Um, hadn't been they hadn't they may not have done as well as they would have liked but uh we're definitely trying to right the ship what was what was it like what's it been like i should say coaching or trying to coach and trying to establish your footprint in the midst of a pandemic <laughs> uh i'm not even gonna lie it, it, it's been tough um it's been tough because you know once once our school system uh decided to let us do anything uh, it was, it started with just conditioning for like 45 minutes, working in, uh, different pods. Um, as the new head football coach, I, I wasn't able to actually have my eyes on all of the pods just because I was working with, um, a specific group. Um, so it, it's definitely been a few challenges, but, um, definitely glad to, uh, have the opportunity now. Uh, to get out and coach and be around my guys every single day. I know that is wonderful, especially with uh, kickoff coming this week. Wayne Griffin joining me here, the head coach of Carver High School. Coaching during the pandemic is tough. That's uh, the word I got from all the coaches. Now that you had a chance to have your eyes on all the kids, what have you seen overall that has improved and where can you improve? Uh, one of the things that I, I will say I like, I do like my kids' effort. Um, I do like the fact that um, every snap, every rep, they are giving me maximum effort. 
Um, some of the things that we hope to improve as we move forward is always the execution. Uh, sometimes it, it, it's, it's not pretty, but the more that we are practicing, the more that we are repping it, um, the kids are, are getting up to speed. And um, we, we are definitely excited to have the opportunity to compete this spring. What are, your, some, what are some of the goals that you have established for yourself, your staff, and for the kids for this 2021 season? Uh, some of our program goals is just playing the game the right way. I mean, these kids have been through so much this last year, um, dealing with the pandemic, uh, dealing with virtual learning, um, you know, we're going to count the uh, small wins as we go. Uh, everybody would like to win on the scoreboard, but we know that in the spirit of competition, um, that's not always going to be the case. But uh, I am looking for us to play the game the right way, play fast, play tough, and be physical. Wayne Griffin joining me here on the program, talking high school football, which premieres this week, folks, and we're going to have some coverage for you. Um, your maiden, in your maiden voyage, as you said, you took over, and then two weeks later, the pandemic shut everything down. Now you've had a chance to be in front of all the kids and see, see what they can do. Can you identify some of the strengths that you've had either on offense or defense so far coming into this year? Um, so far, I've seen a uh, the maturation process um, in my offensive line play. Um, them guys are they are really starting to actually come together. Um, I actually like the way that they played uh, in a scrimmage uh, this past Saturday, and uh, it's just getting them guys. I mean, they are really starting to uh, enforce their will and start to lean on folks, uh, so to speak. And uh, that's been that's that's been a pretty good bright spot for us. Anybody, um, anybody who watched football knows the key to a great offense is is their is your offensive line. And the way you're speaking about your offensive line, and I love what you just said. The way they're starting to lean on folks. Yes, I mean, listen, there, it, it is it is no secret that we want to pound the rock. Um, and, and, and that is what I want, you know, that building a tough, uh, a program around toughness and, uh, being very physical, it starts up front. So we are going to go as a program, as, uh, our linemen, and, uh, we're going to want to definitely win the battle in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Trenches are very, very, very important uh, when it comes to football. How about your defense? You've had a chance, like it's, like you said, to look at all your kids. How about your defense? How do they look so far? I like it. I mean, I just, I really do, I really do feel like we are definitely starting to come together. Um, our DNA is definitely that we are going to fly around and get all up, as many hats to the football as we possibly can. Um, the kids are starting to learn and to trust the process. Trust it, it is definitely a new scheme than uh, what they have played in years past. And um, with the, the execution part can always be better, but I think uh, every day in practice and every rep, we are definitely getting better. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely liking what I'm seeing, what I'm seeing in my, in my team. Was it hard to and was it hard to introduce a new scheme to your players? 
yes, I'm, I'm, I think any time um, a head coach comes in uh, into a new program, it's always tough to implement new schemes because, I mean, you get kids that have played in a certain scheme or program for three years. It is getting them to buy into a new system and getting them to believe that this new system is what's going to be best uh, for the program. Um, and uh, it, it's been no different since I've taken over um, at the helm at Carver High School. Uh, but um, I think my pedigree speaks for itself. Um, and that was one of the things that I could definitely lean on uh, with the kids and with them believing that this is the best way for us to play moving forward. That is Carver High School coach Wayne Griffin joining me here on the program as we get ready to welcome high school football back to North Carolina. Coach, a pleasure to have you on with me. Hope to talk to you a lot more throughout the season. All right. Thanks. Anytime. Appreciate you having me. I'm ready for some high school football, and I'm ready to call some high school football. Back after this. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. I think all the Blue Bloods got a little mad that they were being written off because all of a sudden, especially with Duke, they've gotten their act together in a big way. Yeah, I think we know Duke's reason. Um, yep. Right? Yep. I mean, we don't, have to, we don't have to go out here like Jim Beheim and... and uh, be that mean about it, but mm -mm. I, I think anybody could have seen that that would be a better team without Jalen Johnson. Yeah, um, it's it's not disparaging his talent as much as it's just saying that there he was he he was a little bit of a, a square peg trying to be fit into a round hole, mm -hmm. and now without him, they're they're a lot more free flowing of an offense. The younger guards are able to attack and uh, look a lot more confident. And there's there's no question that that Matthew Hurt is the one who ha should have the ball in crunch time for that team. And, and you see the difference it, it, in that team. You see the the difference in the way their offense flows and the way their defense flows. And then all of a sudden, you see them. And this is a big big difference. Not disparaging Jalen Johnson's talent, but. Now you see them flying to the ball. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's a it's more of a close knit team. I mean, I say that, and I'm not in their locker room, and I see the comments about how Jalen Johnson means a lot as a teammate, and he's a part of the brotherhood and, and that kind of thing. I get it, but I also just like. It, you you can't deny what you see on the court. You know, you, when, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. And so that I think we're saying that about Duke right now. We're saying when when you look at Duke over the last three or four games and and look at who they are, believe them that this is who they are. Mm -hmm. And this is clearly a, this is clearly a better version of them than than when Jalen Johnson was playing. 
Yeah, it is a better version of them. Again, defensively, they're flying to the ball. They're more free-flowing on offense. They now have identified who gets the ball in crunch time. And when they put all those, you, when they put all those together, you see what they did to Syracuse. Yeah. Yeah, it's – look, they're, they're rolling. Um, we'll see how far they can take it. I mean, I still think they're probably on the outside of the bubble, but they've got time to make up for it. Yeah. Would it take a full – would it take them running the table – in the ACC tournament for them to – would it take them snatching that automatic bid, running the table in the ACC tournament for them to get in? Yeah, I, I kind of don't think so. I'm, I'm not ready to put them in the, you know, win it all or, or go to the NIT or, or stay home uh, situation. I, I think that the level that they're playing right now, they've still got a game against Carolina – I think they could go to Greensboro only needing to win, you know, one, two, uh, depending on what the what the schedule looks like, maybe three games. Um, maybe just get to a semifinal or championship game in Greensboro and, and not have to come away with the ultimate prize there. I think that could be enough. And the other thing, you, you just – you have to talk about it. Ignoring it does nobody any good at this point. It's Duke. It's not like mm-hmm. we're sitting here talking about Clemson or a team with just regional interest. This right. is the team that, you know, every college basketball in the country feels one way or another about Duke. And so they're, they're, a, ratings, <laughs> yeah. they're a ratings bonanza. Um, and whether you, whether you love to root for them or you just want to hate watch them and just hope that they lose, you're going to watch so yep. if push comes to shove and the selection committee sitting there thinking, okay, do we put Duke in or, or do we put, you know, what, whatever, uh, you know, a random team from Big Ten or the, or the uh, SEC or something like that, it's going to be Duke. It's going to be Duke. Yep. So, <laughs> it's going yeah, to be and, Duke. And, and that's, you know, you can – you can argue till you're blue in the face about how unfair that is. Mm-hmm. It's just pretty much the way of the world, and it's not yep. going to change by one year. It really isn't. It really isn't. And now that they're playing the way they're, su- they're supposed to be playing, they're convincing the committee even more now. All the way through, all the way through the uh, ACC tournament, you know, hey, Duke's playing good. Okay, they they pretty much conceal their spot now if they win one in the ACC tournament. This is Duke. This is must. This is must see TV. Win or lose, it's the team that you either love to root for or you love to root against. These are the Duke Blue Devils. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 just like I said. It's a team that has national reach. It's you know Alabama football. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, Notre Dame football. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're the Yankees. They're the they're the Red Sox. They're yep. the Cubs. You know, whether you feel one way or another about them, you're going to watch. See, why'd you have to put the Cubs in this conversation, man? Why'd you have to do that to me this morning? I I was trying to think of a National League comparison. You're right. You're right. 
you can't. You're right. You're, you're right with the with the Cubs comparison. People know how I, how I tease Cub fans about it. Connor O'Neill joining me here on the program. Look at North, let's look at North Carolina. Same situation. Do they need a complete run in the ACC tournament to get in, or have they played well enough to this point to only get one or two wins in Greensboro for them to seal their spot in the tournament? Yeah, I, I think Carolina's in pretty decent shape. I mean, we're talking about a team that uh, blew out Louisville by 45. Mm-hmm. Um, Louisville, of course, it's it's always different for a team that's coming off their second COVID break. We've we've seen that enough this season that we know that like, okay, you know the the first COVID break coming back, if you handled it the right way, you can come out like Florida State and beat somebody 105 to 73. <laughs> but that yes. second COVID break is the one where where it really puts the damper on things, mm-hmm. right? And so. You take that into account a little bit with with Carolina blowing the snot out of Louisville, but this is a Carolina team that's played pretty well all year. Uh, I, I mean, I, I know they. I guess maybe they don't have that signature win to to really hang their hat on, but you know, you you can't argue with when they look their best. They're they're a really good team. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're your. Uh, top five seed or anything like that but they're a dangerous enough team to be on that i think eight nine seed line yeah and uh i was i was talking to somebody the other day i mean you can you can play this out in your mind and it doesn't take too much effort to see okay well if carolina is an eight or nine seed then they're obviously going to be put opposite of gonzaga and yep. the committee is going to give you a rematch of the 2017 national championship game if, yep. if they can yeah, and that's how it looks right now. But if I were any of the Blue Bloods, Kentucky, North Carolina, uh, Duke, and others, if I were a team like Gonzaga or Baylor, would it be safe to say that you wouldn't want to face them right now, now that the fact that they're getting their act together? Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to think that, at least with Gonzaga and Baylor, they're just so dominant and they do so many things well yeah. that they don't need to, you know, get worried about about playing a team like that. I always, I do. I always keep in mind that Gonzaga plays this really tough non-conference schedule every year, and mm-hmm. then goes in for two months. The toughest team they play is St. Mary's. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's always that is always to their detriment. They've been able to overcome it and and get to a Final Four and get to the national championship game. But it's just something that's always there. It's always, you know, how much have you been challenged in the last two months when your your smallest margin of the of, of victory was eighteen points? Eighteen points, right? So, I mean, it's there. It's it's something that you have to consider when when you think about Gonzaga going into the tournament. You know, they're gonna go up against some team that had to scratch and claw their way into their into their seeding and. Uh, has been through the wars. Uh, if you're talking about a you know Big Ten or a Big Twelve team, and mm-hmm. you know that that team is is not going to be intimidated as much as these these West Coast Conference teams that you know are marching out six four guys to try to guard Drew Timmy at six ten. You know, <laughs> yeah. 
Looking at so, <laughs> let's look at Florida State, a team with trees that can hit threes. How dangerous are they coming out of the ACC, man? Man, I I love Florida State. Uh, uh, I I love what Leonard Hamilton has has done with that program. Uh, I think he's one of the most underrated coaches in the country, which is crazy because he really shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no reason for him to be underrated at this stage, but for whatever reason, he is. Um, yeah, it, it's it's hard not to fall in love with the way they play. They yeah. they have a ton of length. They move the ball. They uh, they play tenacious defense. Um, you know, Raquan Gray. Looks like he probably could be on the Florida State defensive line, and <laughs> yeah, he's he can. out there. He's he's nimble enough to to take guys off the dribble. He's strong enough to bully his Beat way inside in and carve out some space for himself. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean it's it's really fun to watch that team play, um, and you know it, how can you not root for Leonard Hamilton, the guy that comes out you know we're we're not a blue blood we're a new blood mm-hmm. um and i love that everything about the way everything about the way leonard that program you, you gotta appreciate it you you have to appreciate it and something you had spoken to before it just seems like they keep trotting out these lengthy players six eight six nine playing very skilled positions and playing a very skilled brand of basketball, and yet Leonard Hamilton is still underrated? Why is that? I think it's probably because he hasn't been to a Final Four. Um, you know, they came really close a few years ago and lost mm-hmm. in the Elite Eight to Michigan. Um, they've had some, some marked disappointments. They've had some upsets. And you know, I'll I'll admit I'll put myself out there that uh, like three or four years ago I was probably one of the doubters of Leonard Hamilton. I was kind of like it, you know, in the thought process that they're just a regular season team. He's a regular season coach. Uh, he couldn't handle coaching in March and, right. and what it would take to win. And then I think the year I was saying that they went to the Elite Eight. <laughs> okay, well maybe I. Maybe once I remove the foot from my mouth, I'll be able to actually stand back and and evaluate some things here. I totally get it. I to- I, I totally get it. I've been I, I've been wrong about quite a few teams over the years. I've watched and covered uh, NCAA basketball, but that's that's funny. You saying he was a regular season coach, and then the next thing you know, they're in the Elite Eight facing facing Michigan, and that wasn't that long ago. That they lost to Michigan no, think, in the Elite Eight. Yeah, I think that was twenty eighteen. I think that was twenty eighteen. Eighteen. Yep. 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 Because the other wild card team that was in the tournament actually got to Texas in the Final Four, which was Loyola Chicago, a team I had covered for many yep. years. So it's nothing is impossible with with Leonard Hamilton. Let's go to Virginia and Virginia Tech. What would they have to do? Are they in as you look at them right now, or will it take something in the ACC tournament for them to seal up their spot? Yeah, no, they're both comfortably in. I, I think 
you know, we'll have to evaluate uh, Florida State being in first place, but everybody having Virginia above them on the seed line. Right. Uh, the last I saw, which was over the weekend, so I'm sure that's changed a bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Virginia will be in probably a, a four or five seed, maybe a three seed at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- they're they're going to play their brand of basketball. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> not to make it sound boring, it's not boring. It's, it's a just internet troll job to call them boring. <laughs> it's just con- it's just consistent. It's yes. just consistent, and yes, it's it not is. always not always the prettiest form of basketball. Hey, you, know, you know, you know what makes you're it not so bad. Get scores in the eighties. You know what makes it so. You know what makes it so bad. All these internet trolls, you know, want to down Virginia. You got to remember the last tournament that was played, they won. They won the national yeah. championship. They won, and and the other thing is, you know, Tony Bennett's first, the first good teams he had at Virginia, they did lack offensive skill. Like, yes. those teams had to be good defensively because they weren't going to outscore you if it got into a back-and-forth contest. Right. But the last, the last five years, six years, when he had – you know, Malcolm Brogdon, DeAndre Hunter, mm-hmm. Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy. It goes back a little bit to Joe Harris. I mean, Joe Harris was definitely the best offensive player on those first few teams he had. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Gill was a skilled offensive player. Now they've got um, the two the two wings. Uh, I can never remember their name. I just I just remember Kihei Clark and, and uh, Jay Huff. Cause yeah. There's about a foot and a half of tight difference between the two of them. Yes. <laughs> but, but they really, they, they have so much offensive skill and it gets, it gets downgraded in, in people, in some people's minds because they mm-hmm. just want to think of Tony Bennett as, Oh, this guy just runs a defensive system that we call the pack line. And they're really good at it. And they have to run that because they can't score. Right. Oh, they right. can score. They're really good at scoring. You just look at their NBA totals. You know they're really good at scoring. Yes. It's just not it's it's just not in their nature to come down and take a three pointer eight with eighteen seconds left on the shot clock. That's that's just not who they are. Yeah, they love to pound you. They love to absolutely yeah. and, pound you. <laughs> and and when you look at what their conference record is in, in something like the last six seasons. Mm-hmm. Why would you ever do anything else? Exactly. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. They yeah. have been they have been able to pound their opponents. And what people don't realize once again and I'll state it again, the last time the NCAA tournament was played, who was the last team left standing? Yeah, that would be the Virginia Cavaliers. Yep. For for all of these trolls uh, doubt Virginia if you must, but they are truly the last na- defending national champion as everyone gets ready for Indianapolis this year. That's Connor O'Neill joining me here on the program, talking all things ACC basketball. Follow him on Twitter. He's on with me every week. We're going to take you all the way through the through the NCAA tournament. A pleasure to have you on, my friend. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. My pleasure.